is a god of the game. Club football, we missed you and how. Cristiano Ronaldo scoring a brace for Manchester United and Mourinho running down the touchline to celebrate a goal felt like we were going back 15 years in time. Even though we had Bayern beating Leipzig, Real Madrid's returning to Bernabeu, Djokovic missing out on a calendar slam and an action drama packed Italian Grand Prix, the one who actually stole the show was a 19-year-old English teenager Emma Raducanu at the US Open. Let's go! Hello and welcome to episode 31 where we are really pumped to discuss some really interesting events that happened and historic events that happened during the weekend. And to do that, as always, we have Ishan with us. Hi guys, How is, how's everyone? And please notice how Bala said Alvis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, this weekend was actually really incredible. I mean, so many things happened. Hamilton and Verstappen crashed their way out of the Italian Grand Prix. Cristiano Ronaldo scoring a brace in his second debut. Mourinho running across the touchline to celebrate a winning goal. But the one, the one sporting miracle that came out as a clear winner was a British teenager, Emma Raducanu. Unbelievable achievement and one of the it's it's actually she broke many records because she was the first qualifier to win a grand slam in the open era and to top it all off she didn't lose a set in the entire tournament that is incredible uh unbelievable performance uh meaning she has a great future a very bright future ahead of her but i think we've seen so many of these young starlets in women's tennis in the last decade we just hope that she maintains her focus and focuses on tennis and not the other distraction that will, uh, you know, come across in her life. Yeah, also spare a thought for uh, Leila Fernandez, another teenager from Canada who impressed everyone. But unfortunately, Emma Raducanu was on top of a game and uh, she won the game. But uh, good, good, good luck to uh, Leila also. And, uh, and, and as you said, I, I really hope to see some consistency from women's tennis. I mean, for a while we have been seeing four different winners and people coming and going. So hopefully someone stays and continues this legacy for a while. Yeah. But as Emma was trying to make, I mean, as Emma was making history on Saturday, we all thought Djokovic will repeat the same on Sunday, but only Medvedev was in his way and he won his first Grand Slam. It was a straightforward game. I couldn't watch it, but I, I guess it was a pretty straightforward game and Djokovic didn't do anything. No, so I saw the game and I think one very important point which actually Djokovic made uh, in the press conference before, prior to the game, was that Daniel Medvedev, according to Djokovic, has the highest tennis IQ he's ever come across. And that actually showed in the game. Yes, the scores, you know, 6-4, 6-4 is pretty, you know, it's a one-sided game. But if you see the highlights, or you know, if you caught the game, Medvedev focused every all his entire game on the gaps that Djokovic had in this tournament. Primarily being uh, backhands down the line and trying to push Djokovic to the net. And Medvedev did that on and on and on. Yes, there were some spectacular points. Djokovic won at the net. But by and large, you know, when you're playing against Djokovic, it's it's a game of fine margins. He just needed a break every every set to win the win the match. And that's what he did. And typical Russian fashion, he did the job in the most efficient way possible. Not too much, you know, 
sweat was lost but yeah it was a huge upset because the story books were all written you know for djokovic to create history and i feel bad for him i'm not a djokovic fan uh i really feel bad for him he was he broke down in the pre- in the you know post trophy ceremony and understandably so man you know so close from history uh and he fell short yeah but he will definitely overtake and he'll definitely do his uh, win his 21st grand slam pretty soon so good on uh, medvedev uh, for being the first russian i think after kefelnikov if i'm not wrong the last one the last russian to win a grand slam evgeny yeah evgeny kefelnikov yeah evgeny kefelnikov was the last russian to win a grand slam yes hey sorry actually marat safin won the australian open after kefelnikov so probably after safin this is the first male russian to win a grand slam so that's about it guys we will see you back at the australian open So everything went as planned for Manchester United. Cristiano Ronaldo started, he scored a brace. I mean if there were any doubts that whether this will work or won't work, I think Ronaldo pretty much made a very clear statement that what he is going to bring to the Manchester United team. I think you know first and foremost man what an atmosphere. I I've never seen Old Trafford rock the way it did when Ronaldo first stepped onto the pitch and he himself admitted post the game that he was shit nervous. uh i i was seeing a yeah. interview with uh, julian larons uh, and he was saying he was talking to michael selvestro uh ronaldo couldn't hit the shot hit a ball on target in the pre match warm up because he was so nervous and if you saw the wow. first 15 minutes of the game he made really bad choices in terms of his play but you know the thing about ronaldo is that he you know pressure he welcomes pressure and he knew all eyes of the world would be on him people would be waiting for him to not do anything today and you know he had to come up trumps and you know yes his first goal was a tap in but if you see the highlights in slow mo he almost predicted greenwood's cross would be deflected and if you see it in like if you stop the camera when the shot or the cross by greenwood is being made he's the only one who moves and that is the difference between ronaldo and the rest of the world in terms of just you know presence of mind in the in the final in the final area and the second goal man 37 year old running at 20 kilometers an hour uh outpacing the newcastle defenders and scoring a beautiful finish yes went through the legs but amazing amazing what a day in football even if you are not a united fan what a day yeah i mean it was a very weird first half in fact there were six games happening in parallel and uh, we all know that none of these games were actually televised in uk but until the ronaldo scored the first one there were actually no goals and there were actually twitter was going mad at six games going on and no goals still that time but it was really great i mean it's still newcastle newcastle were actually not very great but see Manchester United did their job and they came on top and they are right now on top of the table with uh, what 10 points in four games three wins yeah. and a draw so that's that's pretty great that pretty good start for them on the other side on sunday night we saw liverpool defeating leeds 3-0 but unfortunately the focus was on a horrible injury to Harvey Elliott i mean it was really horrible good that the telecasters were in focusing on the real injury showing multiple replays from multiple angles of the leg break so but even in real time 
that injury looked really really bad uh i'm not sure whether it should have been a red card i can understand it was a serious injury it was endangering the opponent but yeah if you look at it a little objectively it might have been a little harsh but no complaints but liverpool were pretty solid throughout the game they bossed it uh there were no problems in fact they should have scored at least 7 8 goals mane alone should have scored a hat trick and finally managed to score a goal in the injury time and uh, it was a great atmosphere i think you know like coming back to the injury i think it was a very unfortunate uh, injury in terms of you know it was not deliberate by a mile uh, it was just how they clashed and you know it it was just unfortunate and i really hope avi elliot has a speedy recovery but i think what what i caught attention what caught my attention the most was you know uh, leads are not the same leads of last year you know it feels like bielsa's team has been figured out a bit because that high intensity football that bielsa loves to play is now taking its toll on his team because you know if you look at you know middle of second half by the 60th minute that the team looks pretty exhausted just by the work ethic bielsa puts them through do you think it would be it's a cause of concern for leeds this season or you think they'll still manage and survive I think they'll survive. I mean, they'll definitely be at least three worse teams than Leeds this season. See, they definitely won't have a top half finish like they did last season. So I'll, I'm thinking they'll be somewhere around the 13, 14, 15 that range. Probably flirt with uh, relegation maybe during the first uh, 10, 12 games. But I think they should be fine. I mean, there there are far worse teams than Leeds in the in the league right now. So speaking of the worst teams in the league, uh, we had two of them play each other. I'm talking about uh, Norwich, who's the second worst team in the league, and Arsenal, who's the worst team in the league. And it was a big upset that uh, Aubameyang scored in the second half, gave, giving uh, Arsenal a narrow win. But by no means was this a comfortable performance. It was quite an atrocious performance by Arsenal. But Norwich is just really weak as a team. But you know, more importantly for the Arsenal Arsenal fans, they've opened their kitty in the goal scoring. Uh, you know tally this year this is their first goal of the season so they are now at minus 8 uh, <laughs> goal difference so congratulations to them yeah i mean it was a very scrappy goal scrappy win but look see from an arsenal point of view you will have to take this victory and you should be happy about it at some level because if this wasn't a victory and if they were scoring a goal it would have been really really worse yes it was norwich norwich I'm pretty sure nailed on. They are going to get relegated this time too. But yeah, it's a win at the end of the day. Now, talking about the other results, it started off with a London derby between Crystal Palace and Tottenham. Tottenham losing their winning streak. They lost three nil against Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira, ex-Arsenal legend, taunting Tottenham again. Uh, as a manager right now watford nil wolves finally managed to win a game they scored two goals brighton defeated brentford 1-0 west ham southampton ended in a nil nil draw manchester city arguably the toughest fixture uh, this uh, weekend an away fixture against leicester city they managed to win 1-0 manchester city uh, after their first loss against tottenham have uh, produced three clean sheets and have scored 11 goals so they are again getting back into their zone but talking about being in the zone chelsea again 3-0 lukaku again scoring two goals i mean chelsea are looking too good man i mean they they are just really really solid i what about those two goals those are two outstandingly 
beautifully taken goals by Lukaku, especially the second one, which was a top corner finish, just at the edge of the box, stunning finish. That is something. That's the something that Chelsea has been missing for a while. Uh, center forward who is a beast, but you know, in terms of you know handling defenders, but can also score goals like that from a distance. Unbelievable. He looks dominant and is making Chelsea. Man, I for me, they are clear favorites for the Premier League uh, this season. Kovacic actually got his first ever goal at home. Uh, I mean, it was a very bad mistake by the defense, but a goal is a goal, and so yeah, Chelsea. I think uh, isn't Chelsea top of the table? So all uh, three, United, Liverpool, and Chelsea, are on all are on ten points, but United are ahead. In fact, all are on goal difference, also eight, but United are ahead in terms of number of goals scored. So Chelsea have scored nine goals and conceded only one. In fact, Chelsea in four games they haven't conceded a goal in open play yet. The only goal they conceded was a penalty against Liverpool. So that's about it for EPL right now. The top four, as expected, the top four. In fact, whatever this weekend fixtures uh, proved that the top four are really a cut above everyone else, and they are the top four right now, starting with United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and City. See, I'm not going to lie. Like, I didn't watch any La Liga games this weekend. But what an impressive comeback from Real Madrid. In fact, their first game at Bernabeu after almost 560 days. An impressive second half coming down from 2-1, scoring four goals. How was it? Let's put it this way. What a horrible first half. <laughs> uh, we didn't have Alaba in defence, uh, who has been really good so far in the first couple of games. Uh, he was uh, he took a knock in the international games and he was rested because I'm guessing for Champions League and it really showed in the first half we had no defensive dif- discipline and if you see the two goals Celta Vigo scored they were in our language Papu goals uh, <laughs> where Courtois couldn't do anything but the defense also had no idea and in typical Real Madrid fashion we responded in the second half. When everything is against us, I think that's when Real Madrid decide that there's a football match to be played. But, you know, more than anything else, Karim Benzema, man. Karim Benzema. Without a doubt, for me, the most important clutch player we've had from a guy who's not named Cristiano Ronaldo. Unbelievable hat-trick. Perfect hat-trick in a way because he scored with a head. Scored with, uh, not with both feet, but, you know, two goals with the head. But great. Uh, We've seen a huge resurgence of Vinicius. Uh, under Ancelotti, he's by far now one of the most, uh, you know, informed wingers in Europe. Uh, and he's now added finishing to his game, which is great. A uh, bit of a suspect celebration. He jumped into the crowd. I think he forgot about social distancing. Uh, he might get reprimanded for that. But another big news, Kamavinga, our youngster, 18-year-old, big signing, Galactico, future Galactico, came on in the 65th minute and scored in his first five minutes. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, it, it was all in all a great match, a typical Real Madrid match under Ancelotti where we will concede goals, but more often than not, we'll score more goals than we concede. So yeah, great result. Uh, you want to talk about the <laughs> unbelievable, like miserable situation in my life because of Atletico Madrid. <laughs> See, I wasn't, I was actually following the game. I wasn't watching it. So first I saw Espanyol scored the first goal and Atletico equalized, but then that goal was chalked off for offside. So I was like, okay, this is typical Atletico style going behind and trying to come back. And then they scored the equalizer, I think the 74th minute or something like that. I don't remember exactly when. 
but then i thought like okay it's a one all game and then i saw 10 minutes of added time i said this game has something in it the moment i saw 10 minutes of added time and to my guess 99th minute i believe yeah. toma lemar yeah. scored the winning goal oh it was incredible man this was this was typical atletico madrid were, were you watching it or were you following it <laughs> what were your reactions no i i, I saw the highlights uh, highlights this morning and you know and it brings me back to the days when colo simeone has been complaining that only barca and uh, madrid get extra time when they are losing uh, and you know come on you got 10 minutes that's a little too much but you know they took their chance uh, lemar scored a great goal could have been saved but he scored it but i think the other big news which happened out of the game that antoine griezmann made his uh, return debut for atletico madrid and uh, i think continued the same form that he had with barcelona did absolutely nothing <laughs> yeah he's been horrible for a while now apart from the two goals he scored for france in the last game the last international game he's had a pretty horrible start to the season so the table as it stands real madrid on top with the 10 points valencia again with 10 points valencia have had a pretty impressive start i mean i never expected them to uh, go this way but we'll see how how they uh, progress atletico madrid again 10 points i think we spoke about this in our last last podcast under bordalas i think uh, valencia have found the right manager after marquinhos who was really good for them a couple of years ago somebody who understands their style understands their fans and plays with that level of intensity and i think you know valencia they have the players they just need to get the results and i think this might be a really good season for them yeah i i i guess you mentioned marcelino uh, by mistake you said marquinhos <laughs> Oh, it's Marcelino. Sorry. Uh, yes. So, just an update, guys. Sevilla Barcelona game was postponed, and Villarreal Alavés games were also postponed. So, only eight games this weekend in La Liga. In fact, two games are about to happen tonight. This was a massive weekend for Bundesliga, like where we had two really big clashes, and both were absolutely cracking games. So when Newcastle United Manchester United game was going on, I wasn't actually watching that game. During halftime, I switched to Leverkusen versus Dortmund, which, in my opinion, the game of the weekend. It was. It ended three four uh, to Dortmund. Incredible game. Haaland scored two goals, but. the main talking point of this game was when haaland scored the last goal it was a penalty it was a winning goal he scored and then all dortmund players were going to the corner to celebrate so jude bellingham was on top of uh, haaland and while they were celebrating leverkusen fans were throwing beer cups uh, at the players so jude bellingham was able to catch one <laughs> and instinctively he was going to drink the beer and realize that he is underage to drink beer and threw it off <laughs> it, i mean try to find that video online it was hilarious i mean it has become a fashion these days but what a game man it was a superb game it was a typical dortmund two game two games in a row yeah two games in a row uh, haland has bailed them out in the you know in the final minutes uh and save dortmund from really poor results and a very poor start but uh, let's move on to uh, leipzig a versus leipzig b <laughs> a great match <laughs> i mean it was a What no thing did it, it was a no contest i saw the first half and then second half i was on and off on and off watching it but then it was a no contest man bayern were 
too good they were too strong leipzig had no answers to whatever bayern threw at them and to add salt to the wounds they brought in sabitzer just to piss off the leipzig fans uh it, it was a no contest yeah why don't you get your captain captain in when you're losing <laughs> like un- unbelievable yeah the one player that stood out for me again uh this youngster jamal musiala who's been impressive i mean there's someone who's really making a lot of noise in bundesliga and in german football so we'll see a lot of jamal musiala yeah. as we move along the only sad or the negative part for bayern in this game was uh, gadabri's injury so hopefully it it's not a bad one and he recovers soon and as usual lewandowski scored leroy sane has had a new lease of life in this new season he's been really good he's been doing good for germany also and he's been coming up really good for bayern and who scored the injury time fourth goal eric maxim chupomoting <laughs> oh god so So Bundesliga table uh, uh looks like this right now Wolfsburg on top impressive start four games four wins Bayern second Dortmund third and Mainz fourth uh another another interesting thing i think which it's like a segue to what's going to happen midweek was Thomas Muller's uh tweet saying uh, with Barcelona uh Barcelona and saying uh excited for the next game <laughs> meaning if i was a barcelona fan i would be pretty petrified right now yeah yeah i i the, I, i still can't shake off that uh, 8-2 from my head yet so <laughs> hopefully hopefully it won't happen this time all i know is lewandowski will score yeah lewandowski i mean that's a that's a return. actually i just wanted to take a small segue and and start this start this topic uh do you remember any time in the last 15 16 years of watching football there is this string of forwards these strikers are on top form like everywhere you have ronaldo you have lukaku you have salah being at a great form he just scored his 100th goal you have benzema you have lewandowski you have haaland i mean when when was the last time we saw so many strikers so many prolific goal scorers on top form i mean this season is going to be insane man and it's the funniest part is that you didn't mention messi uh because he's not even yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you will probably add that name to the list and add neymar as well uh but you're right because you know i feel that this post covid season where you know clubs have actually spent a lot of money there's a lot of pressure on these clubs and whether players in terms of their futures to perform because you know next season will be the season where of free agency so many free agents yeah a lot of big players moving so this is their time to shine in a way and pressures on them so you know it's just working out and you know we are very lucky as fans to watch some really great football being played really great goals and you know top players playing top football we were talking about massive weekends italy probably had one of its biggest weekend i mean not just in football we'll cover f1 in a short while but syria again had its modern classic Napoli versus Juve where Napoli came back 1-0 down to defeat Juve 2-1 uh trouble Juve big trouble where will they go from I don't think so either because I remember when we were talking about their first defeat last week I said that this is how Allegri starts like he starts horribly uh but what's worrying is that the Morata is their best player I keep saying this <laughs> and again the the problem right now uae is facing is the kind of goals that they are conceding like really silly goals 
again chesney in the middle of everything was a extremely poor mistake for the first goal the second goal was almost an own goal so in spite of having kelini and bonucci yes they are 100 years old but still they are kelini and bonucci but still they are not able to stop these really as we mentioned before pappu goals unless if they are not able to stop those goals they are going to be in serious trouble Yeah, and like the second goal, I won't probably blame Chesney. First goal is completely on him. It was a very lame, uh, you know, curler by Insigne trying his traditional, you know, goal. But and he could have easily held on to the ball, but instead decided to parry it. Great finish, by the way, by the Napoli player. But the second goal was Moses Keane, who's a Juventus striker, headed it back into Volchek <laughs> Chesney. uh like an like i don't know what he's a striker he should probably know which direction to head the ball and chesney parried it and kulibali again if you guys remember last season again napoli won in the clutch in the last minute uh with a kulibali winner against juventus and it happened again but you know what's really worrying is their midfield like if you look at you know last year winston mckenney was a revelation you know everyone was talking about the american killing it in juventus this season he just looks out of his depth he does not know what is going on around him uh, adrian rabio has never been the same since forever since his psg days i still don't know what he's doing at uh, juventus uh, so their midfield is quite weak for a juventus team uh, and in their forwards you know you're relying on morata diabala still you know he's not a goal scorer he's not going to get you 25 goals this season so a lot of things to worry about because allegri last time when he had a bad start he had a great team to fall back on this time he probably doesn't so it'll be very interesting to see how juventus cope this season yeah they are right now in 16th or 17th position three games only one point two losses but talking about impressive starts i mean milan three games three win zlatan scoring in his comeback game i was a great win by milan but the news of this weekend is mourinho managing his 1000th game and uh, roma winning uh, by scoring a injury time winner steven el sharavi scored the winning goal and mourinho uh, with his iconic Touchline run celebration. Did you see that, dude? I saw the highlights. Do you know what happened in that game? So after Sharavi scored in the 92nd minute, a great goal by the way. In the 94th minute, uh, the who were they playing? They were playing Sassuolo. Sassuolo. Sassuolo scored a screamer of a goal wow. from the edge of the box in the 94th minute, and it was ruled offside. Oh. and the next thing happened after the offside was the final whistle and that's why uh, to give some context to the mourinho celebration was just the relief uh, he had because that goal was an unbelievable goal if you see it which was disallowed uh, but what a start by roma like you know they are looking like a really good team really solid team uh, and we discussed this about how they actually adapted to mourinho so quickly Yeah. unlike any other team we've seen in the past under mourinho uh, so i mean great like they're going to be a good challenge for any the milan clubs this season yeah i mean the three clubs roma milan napoli all have a perfect start three wins out of three inter milan two wins out of two but the third game they drew against sampdoria 2-2 so seria is actually heating up pretty well so hopefully we'll see another new winner this season and not juve or inter 
the formula 1 this week had drama it was drama all around and a, what a mad mad race it was the italian grand prix there was a massive clash there was a massive accident between verstappen and hamilton ishan why don't you quickly summarize what happened if you can <laughs> man i mean i i do not i could not process what happened in that race it was one of those you know the monza grand prix is always known for you know it's a temple of speed it's what it's called it's always known for you know ridiculous drama unfolding but you know the top two contenders for the championship verstappen and hamilton crashing against each other uh, by the way for people who didn't watch hamilton was just coming out of the pit lane and uh, verstappen tried to overlap him uh and they nudged each other in a tight corner where you know e- both of them could have given each other a little more space but they didn't and it you know what happened was verstappen then caught the edge of the of the track and then flipped onto uh hamilton's car and we were discussing this uh, there's a new meaning in the last couple of years they brought along something called the halo which covers the head of the driver verstappen's wheel landed on the halo which basically protected hamilton's head i do not even want to think what could have happened if it wasn't there say 3 seasons ago what would have happened luckily both of them came you know came out unscathed uh not too, a lot of cold vibes between the two uh but they safe they ready but you know what a race my man daniel ricardo from australia from western australia with his first win outside of red bull at mclaren by the way it was the first mclaren win since 2012 mclaren are one of the great teams of formula 1 guys and you know this has been a really long time about 185 races have gone by since a mclaren number 1 and it was actually the first time since 2010 that it was a mclaren 12 so daniel ricardo finished first lando norris second and valtteri bottas came third because perez had a 5 second penalty uh perez actually tested his luck throughout the throughout the entire weekend uh, but he got penalized in the about the 40th lap where he had to take a 5 second gap and which mean, meant he finished fifth and uh, although he finished third and bottas came you know third uh, so it's a great like the russian grand prix next today the stewards came out with the verdict that verstappen will take a three place penalty as well as two points being deducted from the constructors so it's really bad for red bull because the difference between uh, verstappen and uh, hamilton is just five points so everything's going down to the you know to the end it's a nail biter of a season and by the way i can't wait for drive to survive for this season yeah now when you say three position three grid place penalty that means like if he finishes let's say first in the pole position he will start on fourth right if my understanding is yes, correct yes you're yes, correct got it got it i mean that's a that's a that's a steep uh, uh, penalty yeah it was really a horrible thing to watch i mean i was in real time it didn't look uh, that bad but when i saw the slow motions wow thank god to the halo otherwise yeah as you said i i don't even want to talk about it lucky part was that they were at a curve they were anyway not as on top speed they were about at 100 120 or you know kilometers an hour which basically you know reduced the volume of impact 
So that was lucky. Yes, it could have been much worse if they were at high speed. Yeah, it was an amazing race. Uh, congratulations to Daniel Ricciardo, the Australian, for uh, winning his what first or first Grand Prix victory under McLaren. And congratulations to McLaren for the four top two finish. Unconfirmed sources from Twitter and other channels have uh, made an announcement that Virat Kohli will be stepping down as India's white ball captain after the T20 World Cup. As I said, there's not a confirmed report and as it stands, it seems like Rohit Sharma is going to replace Virat Kohli as India's captain in both ODIs and T20. A surprise one, uh, do you think what? I mean, the good decision bad decision i mean I, i can't make it actually more than a good decision i'm trying to understand why this decision mm. what's what's uh, triggered it because i'm not sure because it's quite a sudden decision right and like and you know you've been following cricket a little more closely meaning i'm a little perplexed as to why this decision has been made i think all of us are on board that rohit sharma is a better t20 captain any day especially with the success he's had with the mumbai indians uh, but you know I want to hear your thoughts according you know why do you think this might have happened See again right now everything has been speculated uh, what I saw again on social media and other sources is that Virat Kohli wasn't exactly happy with Dhoni being appointed as India's T20 World Cup's mentor and guys actually we haven't covered this yet India's squad for the T20 World Cup was announced and Dhoni was announced as the mentor for the T20 team so Kohli naturally thinks that BCCI is kind of undermining his ability to lead the team in big games and big tournaments and big finals and this could have come after uh, his failure in in T20 with RCB over the years uh, India's World Cup 2019 semi-finals loss even the World Test Championship finals we didn't play really well so i'm not sure whether that is the reason but it looks like it could be one of the reason i mean kohli obviously officially came out i mean he hasn't officially came out and said anything <laughs> it seems that he wants to focus more on his batting understandably so and he hasn't been uh, in his best form over the last two years i mean i don't know when was the last time he even scored a century so that's that's very unlikely uh, when it comes to without kohli's batting so lot of these factors might have triggered and also the fact that uh, ravi shastri might step down as the coach so maybe bcci is looking for a change who knows yeah because I me mean, obviously i i am i mean i tend to understand kohli's perspective if this is true about the need of dhoni being a mentor because that is almost like a direct undermining of who he is as a captain right like you're getting captain cool in a way to basically guide you through pressure moments where you probably suck uh meaning if that's not a direct slap in the face to kohli i don't know what is so meaning it's quite believable that that might have triggered it yes his batting has been disappointing but you know we're talking about just before a world cup and you know india and t20 world cup we we are favorites in a way because of the squad we have making these changes at the end i am not too sure how that would work let's see if kohli wins the t20 world cup as a captain he will probably i think he will be the only player to win all possible trophies in cricket under 19 world cup uh the 50 over world cup test championship i mean not the world test championship but he was uh, he was a part of the number one test team 
So yeah, T20 World Cup is the only thing that's missing. Hasn't Dhoni won it all? Dhoni didn't win the Under-19 World Cup, but he won everything in the senior uh, as a senior player. That's about it for episode 31, guys. When we come back for our next episode, we'll talk about all the midweek Champions League games. Yes, guys, Champions League is back. Barcelona are playing Bayern and hopefully it's not another 8-2 drubbing. There is Inter Milan versus Real Madrid. Liverpool are playing AC Milan, the old classic. And we also have all the Premier League games to be previewed. And for Indian fans, IPL is going to start next weekend, actually restart next weekend. So we'll have a quick look at that also. But until that episode, it is bye from Bala. And bye from Ishan, guys. See you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. And also, please, like we are literally begging to rate our podcast on whichever app you are listening to. It not only helps us, but also helps new listeners to find our podcast easily. You can also reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at the rate Sports Charcha. A big shout out to the Jam Room Audio for our theme music. You can follow the Jam Room on Facebook at the rate The Jam Room Audio. Bye! Absolutely. Whoa,